0: Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, here to talk about an IDW title with a couple of the creators. It came out last uh, Wednesday. Hope you had a chance to pick it up September 13th. If not, hopefully your comic shop still has a copy. The title is Kill More, and we have the writer... Uh, Scott Brian Wilson and the artist Matt uh, Max Fuchs joining us to talk uh, all about it, which it, it it really blew me away. But uh, before we get into that, uh, thanks for joining me, gentlemen. Uh, I'm familiar with both your work. Uh, we've talked about your work on the podcast before, so it's great to have you on.
1: Well, thank you. Appreciate that. We're happy That's to be nice. here.
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll start with you, Scott. Uh, I think probably long-time listeners will most know uh, your work. We talked about Pennyworth, which is so wildly different <laughs> than what Tilmore is. Uh, so let me ask you kind of a little bit about the origins of the the project, bringing it to IDW, getting Max on board. Give us a little bit of the background.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, this this book has a sort of long and sordid history. I'll give you the brief version, but... Um... You know, I, I, I started developing it in a, in a uh, 2015 or so, and it got rejected by everybody. Nobody wanted it. I even pitched it to uh French publishers, right. Thinking like big French crime comics, beautiful work, you know, uh, nobody wanted it. And the only place that wanted it was Vertigo in the end. And this was when Vertigo was kind of relaunching Um and, uh, ultimately it didn't happen. Uh, and I just kind of backburnered it while I focused on other projects thinking like, you know, maybe I just need to build up a bigger body of work before somebody takes a risk on, you know, something like this. Um, you know, meanwhile, somewhere in there, I met Max and, um, uh, loved his work. We did a, we did a, um, we did a graphic novel at dynamite together. Um, uh, we did an altered carbon, um, uh, graphic novel and, uh, you know, early in that process, I said, Hey, man, I, I have the book you were born to draw. Like, we need to let's do this. And, and we started talking about it and really started formalizing it. Uh, couldn't do much on it while he was working on that book, but uh, I was doing a book at, at IDW, my other original called True Cult. And about midway through that run, uh, my editor got in touch and asked if this book was still available because uh, Mark Doyle at IDW had been at Vertigo at the time and wanted it originally. He still remembered it a few years later and, and was interested in it again. And I think the timing was finally right. So it's a very long winded story to say, you know, don't give up your dreams. You know, it'll happen if you believe in yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you never know. And so much of uh, putting a story out, putting a comic out is uh, has a lot to do with timing. Absolutely. It's so, so strange, like what's going on in the world, how things can get kind of meta and what have you. Uh, so many recent comic projects seem prescient. Hopefully this one isn't too, isn't too prescient because man, does it go there? Uh, but <laughs> let me ask you, Max, uh, you know, meeting Scott and, and talking about different comics and uh, working with him on, on some other things, as he mentioned, do you feel like this is really the project for you guys where you're really gelling, you're really kind of on the same uh, wavelength. And did you, did you think that from the start when he pitched you uh, on Killmore?
2: yeah scott and i we were on the same wavelength from the day we met at east coast comic-con we We're table neighbors and when he pulled that bottle of whiskey out from under the table skirt i knew uh that we had it all in common you know <laughs> uh and yeah i mean nobody else could do this book besides me uh to unhumbly brag uh yeah this is uh this is where i belong for sure and i have scott to thank for uh bringing me along for the ride and uh also scott to thank for uh for giving me uh the free reign to pour out all my demons onto the page
0: yeah and i want to talk about that too i want to talk about kind of the design of the of the the world or the i I guess we could say the city of, of colonia where it's set and also how much fun you seem to be having, uh, dis, you know, designing the character designs for these different, uh, serial killers. But I, I guess we should give Scott a chance to give the elevator pitch to our listeners. If anybody hasn't had a chance to check out Killmore, uh, again, not for the faint of heart, definitely for mature readers, but, um, there's a lot there to be examined. Uh, I think it kind of is, is almost a, a twisted reflection of, of the worst things about ourselves, which, you know, we can certainly as, as a society, it's important to have those kind of conversations by by looking at stories that really kind of take it to an extreme, um, and it you know obviously we're not all out there murdering people, but we could do a little better being empathetic, walking a mile in, in other people's shoes, which I think is a conversation that this type of work can uh, engender. Uh, but go ahead and give us the elevator pitch, uh, Scott. Like I said, for uh, our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Kilmore.
1: Yeah, it's a book about a, uh, a crumbling American city uh, that becomes overrun with serial killers, and the uh, the, the two detectives who who, who are still uh, diligently working, trying to uh, you know uh, solve solve the cases and, and bring them to justice. So it's it's a massive book with a lot of serial killers, a lot of characters, a lot of plots, a lot of ins and outs and what have you. Um, but uh it's that's the that's the that's the basic of it it's 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 a brutal book uh without being something that is intended solely to shock you
0: yeah, and I think that comes across because it's so over the top you know you you realize you're venturing into to fantasy this isn't um you know exploitive or you know uh, sensationalistic it's it's more again trying to start those conversations and and kind of put a almost a fun house mirror look at some of the bad things that, that, that we do to each other. Uh And, uh, you know, people that fall through the cracks, you know, homelessness, that that sort of thing. So yeah. we talk about the city of, of Colonia and the serial killers themselves, Max, Um when you guys first started off and got ready to get to work on the project, did Scott have some concrete ideas of the way we wanted things to look in terms of tone, in terms of character design and what have you, was it a back and forth or did he just turn you loose? Give us a, some behind the scenes on that.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Scott definitely had uh, an outline for all these killers and a general idea about the city of Colonial. <laughs> and uh, basically, I was able to springboard off of, you know, maybe a couple sentences description of a character or maybe, uh, you know, a little bit of, this, of the script that he had uh, written early on and just sort of let let the characters grow organically out of uh out of what he was setting up. Uh you know, with Ethel there on our our number 1 cover, our uh our motorist killer. Uh it's uh it's a lot of fun to play with when Scott just tells me she's an old lady that runs people over on purpose. Uh so you know, in some cases it was as simple as that. Uh, There are other killers that had more uh, specific requirements for how they were going to look like our, uh, our killer, the sufferer, you know, that's, there's some specific things there that we had to meet, you know, that he's this crust punk, gutter punk, uh, ultra vegan murderer. Uh, I think Scott and I have traveled probably in similar circles where maybe we've known some people like that. Not the murder part, hopefully. Right. Maybe, but <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. We've uh, I think we've managed to find a good working relationship to where we can come up with a, a, a solid killer design based on b- both of our, you know, our shared mutual tastes and experience, and and yeah, the results are there.
1: Yeah, I've got yeah to- and, I, and I I always and I always defer to Max too, right? So it's like this is how I see it, but I trust you. Right. So go for like, I never want to have the, you know, I never want to be sort of restraining. him. like, I trust you, you know, so that, that I try to give, you know, that much try to really have that freedom because that's really how you're going to get the best work and the most outlandish on the most outlandish and present stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of times, uh, of the serial killers we've met so far just their name just evokes already you know kind of a picture in your mind whether it's the draft or you know ethel this old woman which the cover is just amazing because you you get the vibe oh that's just an old woman smiling but there's something about it that's really terrifying like there's a madness there right (laughs) that comes across and then uh, probably my favorite uh lady face masher who uh is just completely ripped i like she goes to the diner orders like enough food for like seven people it's uh it's it's so fantastic um but the other thing that's really interesting about the city of of colonia itself so this is a rundown place there's a reason all these serial killers are going there you know infrastructure is crumbling what have you so they're kind of able to get away with a little more than they would uh, someplace where mm-hmm. things are a little more put together but even that being said there's uh, things in the artwork that are kind of behind the scenes or or not like right up front, you know, and we see like kind of the radio tower and then what you see beneath uh, all the bodies and what have you. Um, So even in a place where things are crumbling and people are aware of it, there's, there's this sense to turn a, a blind eye. So if you can, Scott, talk a little bit about that thematically and what I was saying before about a lack of empathy or things slipping through the cracks. I mean, is that something overtly that you want to start a discussion about? Is it just kind of inherent in the story? Uh, give us, uh, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I think originally maybe I, I had the, some thoughts of it being a bigger sort of socioeconomic sort of, um, uh, message, um, not message I hate to say that that makes it sound like I'm trying to to say something I'm not trying to say anything in the book right uh, the the things that the reader gets from the book um, if it starts conversations great if it makes them think about uh, things great but uh, my job as a writer is not to have a message tell you how to think uh, or anything like that but I would you know I, I do think it is a product of of my Brain and my work, so obviously some of my my own, you know, thoughts and the way I feel about things are coming through. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, it's uh, for, so for me, right? Writing cops, right? A lot of the things, a lot of the cop dialogue, especially in issue two, uh, cops are saying things I don't necessarily agree with. I personally wouldn't, you know, but this is what they would say this is what uh, this is how i would imagine these cops are right um and it's not you know it's it's this it's this thin line of just trying to be very um faithful to the story and how it would unfold not me trying to spin any sort of agenda on anybody you know um but yes it is a book very much about um industry collapses Anybody with money or means gets out of town and what's left is everybody left to fend for themselves while these killers take over because there's no cops to stop them.
0: Yeah, here, here's the real – you don't want to know what would happen in Gotham City if uh, you know it was actually a real place with supervillains or what have you. Everybody would leave. I say it all the time. Why would anybody in their right mind live in Gotham City? Uh, so, yeah, why would anybody who could get out of Colonia, who had the means, why would they stay there? Well, they wouldn't. That's why it's uh, almost a ghost town. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, especially from a kind of a visual storytelling aspect for you, Max, is like what Scott was mentioning earlier. We It's not – like gory or bloody just for the sake of being, uh, you know, a shock value or whatever. Um, It's a little bit over the top, almost to the point of being humorous. How challenging is it for you to strike that balance to make sure you're giving us, because there's a little suspense, you know, as well. And there's always some, you know, fear, almost a horror aspect when we're talking horror comics, serial killers and what have you. Um, So talk a little bit about balancing that um, visually, making sure that you, you know, it, it is impactful. The art is impactful, but you don't kind of cross that line into, into you know, gore or or sensationalism.
2: Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Let me check real quick. Is my audio coming through clear to you guys? Yeah, yeah, you're coming in great. All right, sorry. I'm uh, I'm not at home. I'm at my sister's house right now and all of you guys sound like Daleks to me. <laughs> uh, I really wish I was recording it on my end, but anyway, <laughs> we'll move past that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Scott is, has given me a rock solid roadmap uh, as far as how we're going to tell the story and the pacing and what we show and what we don't show. And, um, you know, working off of that script, basically I'm just able to be focused on the craft of the visual storytelling. And uh, yeah, there there just aren't that many moments where, you know, I, I could do anything, Wrong that would, that would make it like about sensationalized violence or anything like that. You know, the times that we're showing to the camera something that might be unpleasant or shocking, there's a, there's a very strong narrative reason for it to be there. And, um, so beyond that, I'm just able to ply my, my trade and, and a part of how we kind of planned and envisioned the look of the book was this four tiered pages. So we always have the four widescreen tiers going down the page. And if you notice, you know, sometimes within the tier, it's broken up into panels, but we never deviate from them, right? One, two, three, four levels. Mm -hmm. And um, that does a lot of things for us. And one of those is you have the, the sort of cinematic aspect ratio, uh, usually working in your favor. So you know, I look at a lot of filmmakers and compositions and try to uh, kind of incorporate that into how I want to tell the story. You know, like I'll look at what Kubrick does, how, you know, sometimes just having faces center punched is the right way to tell that scene. You know, we don't always have to have the camera way up in the air or way underneath, but then you keep those kinds of shots in reserve for the times when it is going to be the most impactful. And a lot of times that's, you know, like when we need to put the camera on the floor, right next to the smashed face, looking up at our detectives who are, you know, computing this whole scene. So, uh, you know, th- those are some, some tidbits about the, the way that I approach this.
0: So is there a certain aspect of visual storytelling that you prefer to, you, you like the beginning when you're kind of designing the world or the characters? you like the actual se- sequential uh, transitions from you know panel to panel and getting the, the story across or do you kind of like the the overview because uh, I've heard from different artists everybody has kind of a different answer what their favorite thing is and sometimes it changes per, per uh, based on the project
2: yeah man I mean there there's no part of the of the process of making comics I don't love uh, it sounds maybe kind of cliche but every aspect of it is, is something that I enjoy. And I, I, I honestly don't think myself or anybody else could do this job if that wasn't at least true to some degree, you know, like I'll, I'll send Scott pictures of, of my little thumbnail sketches that are this big and nobody in the world could decipher them when I'm first, you know, sort of, uh, interpreting the script and he doesn't know what the hell I drew there, <laughs> but he, he knows I'm excited. And he knows that like, you know, this is the, um, the little embryo, you know, the thing that's going to grow into the page. And even those little scribbles, I'm excited to do that. Uh, I'm excited about the way they look on the page. Uh, and then moving through to designing the world that really excites me because especially when we're working with a fictional environment, a fictitious city, that gives me a lot of free rein to, again, pull from different inspirations and decide uh, what we want this place to feel like and what what we want the tone of it to be. And so you know, every everything soup to nuts. I love doing it all. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll
1: say, I'll sorry, I'll just say that like you know, with Max, one of the fucking things that's great about him is, you know, it can be a scene of uh, an axe fight in the street right? Or it can be someone shopping for groceries, right? And you can tell just as much work is in everything. Like he's not, he doesn't complain when there's the pages where it's just people talking in a precinct or they're sitting in a car talking or they're in a deli, you know, getting lunch or something, right? There's just as much effort put into those pages and those panels to make them right, you know, to, to the fact, you know, to the point where now, you know later in the series of my scripts i'm aware of how much he'll put into certain things so i start thinking okay maybe i don't need to set this in a bookstore or something right like what's something that's simpler for him like i'm just because i know how much he's gonna put into it i'm like we don't you know it's trying to sort of control that uh that that hyper level of 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 detail and attention uh it's a good problem to have you know love it
0: yeah i'm glad you brought that up uh Scott, because that's the other part of this, right? Like we talk about making sure you're keeping the right balance, entertaining story. It's not, you know, shock value or what have you. Uh, there is definitely a police procedural feel to the story. You know, it is kind of this crime noir story with these, uh, you know, a couple of detectives that have, you know, they've stayed They're they're making sacrifices to, to stay in Colonia and do the right thing instead of just getting out like most of them are. Um, I think without that feel, which is done so well, both in the dialogue and those moments where whether there's like you said, Scott, talking in the precinct or sitting in the car or what have you, yeah, those those scenes are done so well. And it, it does help strike that balance and and kind of keep us on the rails, so to speak. So I know that is a can be a challenge. Um, and you know, like Scott's giving you a lot of credit, Max, that you keep that visually interesting. So you must be thinking about that, right? Those panels. How do I keep it visually interesting when it's just, you know, a page of, you know, two detectives sitting in a car talking?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want each page to be like a cohesive work that the reader is going to want to look at. <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, the bottom line, right? It's a it's a form of <laughs> visual reading, and uh, yeah, usually the first. The first key to that puzzle is the storytelling, right? The visual storytelling to make the scene clear uh, so that the reader can understand what's happening. A lot of times that's enough. And then when you work within that, you know, f- by finding an appropriate amount of detail, by finding an appropriate and interesting lighting scheme, that's usually enough to sell a scene. You know, like like I said, not not every scene calls for... Some kind of impressive camera placement or uh bombastic action to be happening, and um yeah I think it's it's about knowing what to put in and knowing what to leave out usually that's enough, yeah, and the other part of this
0: is uh you know a lot of times we talk about you know how a comic is paced it's not just the transitions from panel to panel visually, but it's also the dialogue the cadence of the dialogue and and how much dialogue there is um so that's obviously that falls on you scott to to do the scripting is there uh kind of the same question i asked max earlier is there a, a certain character or a certain you know aspect that you kind of like writing more that's easier for you certain voices and what have you
1: yeah i mean obviously i the dialogue is my my favorite part i, I take a lot of um I take a lot of pride in my dialogue. I work really hard at it um both to make it sound natural uh but to sound different for every character, to have a little bit of a different way of speaking. Um uh and that goes to the minor characters, you know. Um that's probably my favorite part. Uh you know, but it is it is you know, you you pointed out it's a procedural. So I'm I'm essentially writing it as a straight procedural, right? this is like an episode of fucking law and order, right? Right, Like that's how I'm writing it. Right. But I know that max is going to turn it into something else. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, Hey, here's this, this bodybuilder lady who smashes heads with a punch. Right. And there's many other characters to come who you will meet, right. Who are totally outside of the realm of reality. Right but I'm writing it as if it's straight, as if it's, this is just normal. Right. And I think that sort of helps that tone. It doesn't turn it into a cartoon or make it outlandish, you know, Uh, and that's that by everyone sort of treating it with that same seriousness. I think that's really gives it that, that feel, you know, as for the pacing, it is meticulously plotted out. You know, I knew what happened on every page of the whole run before I really wrote it, you know, Um, And then, of course, as I'm writing, I go completely off script and do something else because I figure out something that's better that I want to do. And then everything that's left, I go back and I replot it, right? Because I want to make sure the pacing is right. Every issue has to stand on its own. Uh, Every issue has to move at the right speed. Uh, We have to see the killers a certain number of times so that the reader will remember them and know who they are. You have to have, bring all that all the different arcs to some sort of conclusion, satis- you know, satisfactory. Each issue has to be better than the previous one, right? Like there's all these things that you're trying to balance. Um, and so you know, the last thing to happen is the dialogue. So for me, that's the part that I think maybe comes easiest to me. So I really sort of relish it when I can actually just sit and like, okay, it's all I've got every panel description in this issue written. Now I can write the dialogue and it's like that's still days of work, right. To get it right. But, uh, but it's like my reward if I got the pacing right. You know, yeah, it's so, like
0: dessert, right? Like you did all yeah. the heavy lifting and right. then get the dessert. Well, uh, dialogue being your favorite part, is there um, a certain character that you like writing dialogue for more than uh, another? I know it's like, like asking who your favorite child is, but yeah. is there there's somebody that we've seen before yet to come that you're like, man, I just, it's so much fun to write dialogue for this person.
1: Yeah, there's there's a there's a there's a character who doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the book, but I really like writing dialogue for him. He's he appears in the first issue, but he doesn't have any dialogue. He's just a, he's in one panel, I think, uh, or I know he's in one panel. Um, uh, I do like writing. Uh, I like writing all the cops uh, a lot. Um, and there's some later in the series. Um, there's some cop conversations, like in the parking the cop the motor pool you know um that were a really a lot of um really a lot of fun for me uh to, to try to get both the the cop sort of vibe to the dialogue but also kind of give it a sort of theatrical kind of grandness to make it feel like um to kind of heighten everything you know mm-hmm. so um there's a sort of a maybe a theatrical feel to some of the to some of the dialogue too yeah
0: well, now, Max, I'm going to kind of ask you the, the opposite question. Uh, we, we talked about how fantastic these character designs are for well, really, the design the design of the city as well as the, the characters that inhabit it. Is there one that is a little more challenging to draw, maybe a certain detail or something about them that just makes it a little more challenging? You're like, oh, man, I really got to be on my game to make sure I get the look right on this character and keep it consistent?
2: Well, um, there are different challenges, yeah. But- the Sufferer, who I mentioned before, our, mm-hmm. our crust punk ultra-vegan killer, I kind of uh, gave myself a lot to do when I came up with that design. <laughs> um, just the layers of, of ripped and torn and dilapidated clothing, I decided for some idiotic reason he needed to have, plus like a vest covered in band patches, plus he's got dreadlocks but only on half his head and he's got tattoos on his face and plugs in his ears and uh, what else he's wearing a bandana plus a hoodie plus a ripped t-shirt <laughs> and there was no reason to do that you know but I accept that it looked cool to me and uh, yeah now every time I draw him I have to go and refer back and see like alright what shape patch did he have on his left shoulder so on and so forth um so yeah i i dug myself a deep hole uh, on that guy
1: Um, yeah that wasn't nice i'll say i'm doing all the i do all the uh i do all the color flats on the book as well before we send it to the colorist so uh every time i get to a sufferer page i'm like oh fuck me right like this (laughs) fucking shirt right i'm doing my best to figure out which 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 is the shirt which is the skin which is the vest what's the hood you know uh, but I, I love it. I love the character. I wouldn't. I mean, it's it's fucking perfect. You know. Yeah, and I'm he glad you want brought it. Up...
0: Look
2: any other way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's
0: so distinctive too. Um, probably the most distinctive looking uh, of any characters we see in the first issue. But I'm glad you brought him
2: up... He's uh, <clears throat> he's on the cover to the second issue, which I think is is out to be seen in public now. So we can say that. Yeah. 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 This, yeah second
0: issue comes out October 25th, so just in time for Halloween. Uh, and hopefully yeah, yeah.
2: Like I said, everybody,
0: you can uh, get to your comic shops. So the first issue hasn't sold out. So even if they don't have it, they should be able to order it uh, for you. But uh, I'm glad you brought up color. I was going to mention that earlier um, because color is so important uh, in, in setting the mood and the tone. So for you, Max, uh, working with the color artist, um, it, do you give color notes uh like give us a, a little bit of the uh what that collaboration is like
2: yeah absolutely well our uh our homie valentina Risky is the boss hoss when it comes to color um sort of a, an interesting path we came to working with valentina in the beginning when we were young and optimistic um the plan was for me to color the book uh, but that just didn't prove to be practical once the deadlines had started, um, you know, getting more real. So uh, essentially, what happened was we brought Valentina in, and we kind of, you know, we scoured over the first issue to to get the the color and the palette and the tone of the book just so, mm-hmm. and you know, there there really wasn't a lot of direction that Valentina needed from me or from the rest of the team you know when when i first saw her work i saw what she puts into a page you know not all colorists are on the same level not all artists are on the same level of writers everything but valentina had that like special thing where i could see she understood lighting and she understood modeling and she's also an artist you know she's not just a comics colorist she does her own comics she does paintings you know she's got uh she's got what we all have which is like that that drive to make things and make it better every time so <clears throat> you know once once we had kind of dialed in what this world is going to look and feel like essentially it's like a no notes situation going forward with her you know from you know maybe occasionally there's like yeah that that's supposed to be uh,
1: the, the mailbox. mailbox. Oh, the mailbox. She, this she, didn't, she, she didn't know what a, an American mailbox was, so she colored it, yeah. you know, green or something. Was, and we were like, "No, no, that in the U.S." so I had to send her a photo. Like, this is what yeah. a USPS mailbox. This is yeah. the color. So, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. She's yeah. she's in Croatia, so she had no idea what it was. So, right. like, like that. Like that's the kind of thing. It's very rare that we have to offer much direction. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because again, I think, uh and that's fantastic. Uh, okay. She obviously is kind of on the same wavelength aesthetically with, with the story, probably once you read the script, because um, that's not always the case. You can and I and talk about this all the time, especially with kind of traditional superhero comics. You wanted them in those bright primary colors because it kind of evokes that age of innocence, silver age mm-hmm. kind of stuff with a story like this, uh, where it leans into some horror vibes and what have you. There's there can be a tendency to go really dark and muddy to kind of set that mood. Um she doesn't go there, you know. She knows to keep it everything clear and gritty. Uh, and again, I think it helps to s- sell the the mood of the story. I think you guys are all just vibing so well; you're on the same wavelength. So, when you saw the first issue come back in Scott with all, all the art done, um, uh, colors, whatever you're doing, your lettering pass. Uh, what was that feeling like to see to finally see? Hey, here's the first issue. Here's my baby, all the way back from
1: 2015 to now. Uh yeah. What was that like? I mean, exactly. Yeah. Eight years in the making, you know, and, and, and it's like, it's no matter how many, how many proofs you see and stages along the way, like, until you have like a copy in your hand, then you're like, like when we, we went, we actually, uh, I went to the my local shop the day it came out cause I wanted to see it on the shelf and, and I hadn't seen it yet. Um, and I, I wanted to, to, to buy a copy and, uh, i mean like my knees went weak man i was like oh this thing that i this this is the thing that i have been making for eight years and here it is it fi- it's finally real like i thought nobody would ever give me a chance i didn't think it would ever happen you know uh and, and here it is um i, I was just so proud i'm so happy and it came out so much better than i had you know that's the thing right like you write it but then maybe you don't have a great collaborator maybe the art isn't as good as you think or you hoped, or it looks different than it did, or the artist interprets the script wrong or in a, in a way that wasn't intended, you know? Like I've, 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 I've worked with artists that it wasn't a great, not, not uh, antagonistic or anything. It just wasn't a great like fit, right. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But with, with all my creator own work, I I make sure that I'm working with like somebody I would take a fucking bullet for, you know, Uh, because I know, they're just as invested in the book as I am, you know, that's the same for uh true cult with Liana Kangas. That's also from IDW. That's true for um, the left-hand path, which just came out on Wednesday, which is my book with Ken Uh, uh And it's, it's, it's because this is your, there's two things, right? Like this is your baby. You only have one chance at it. It's not like, Oh, if the art sucks, you can just do it again. Right. You know? Uh, or if you do a bad job as the writer, then, you know, it's hard to redo it, you know? Uh, and then the other thing is like a creator on book is, is a marriage essentially, right? You're going to like Max and I co-own this book. So when we're 90, we're still going to co-own it. So we better get along, you know? Right. Um, so to me, seeing it, knowing that I got the only artist who could have drawn this book, that it's this fucking good that it's looks this beautiful that it's getting such good reviews. I hear, I don't know. I don't read them, but I hear they're good. I'm super excited about it. You know Um, it's, 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 yeah, it, it was really, it was really something else to see it, to see it come to life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it's so interesting because I didn't know what to expect when I uh, when I got my press preview and checked it out. And it, yeah, there's so many oh shit moments. It, just, it blows you away. With, you know whether it, the story beats, you know, uh, or or the art, the impactful art for Max, the color work. Obviously, we mentioned is fantastic. And the other part of this is I, I can tell you guys are having fun, right? And yeah. I'm not saying this is a fun. I would never describe it. Oh, this book is you know fun and joyous or whatever. No. But you you can tell you guys are having fun there's a, an energy that comes through the story uh, we can tell you guys are having fun making it. so uh, I think there's something to be said for that like it's I'm, as a reader, I'm able to enjoy it more because I can tell you guys are having fun making it.
1: yeah I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned humor earlier uh, there's a lot of intentional humor in the book.
0: Oh yeah, it's um, dark
1: humor, but it's definitely it's dark. it's dark humor but there's a lot of humor in the book and and some of the later issues, especially the the humor I, I amp the humor up a little bit. Often commensurate with the bleakness, right? Because at the end of the day, nobody wants to feel shitty, yeah. right? And while it's not an uplifting book, there you do have to have enough moments that really like make it worth the journey for for the for the reader, you know. Because you know, so there's there's sort of two things. One is that you know, you know, I've read thousands of pages of serial killer, true crime, serial killer books, you know, and if we went realistic with like the crimes and the violence, the book would be unpublishable, unpublishable. Yeah. Nobody would read it. It would just be too much. Avatar wouldn't publish it. Right. It's just just too much. Right. Um, So that was something I was aware of. Like I, I, it had to be readable. It had to be relatable Um, even though it's a dark book and often sad. um, But it had to have these real moments that really make you, you know, you're you're right. You're right there with the with the heroes. You know, um, and then the other thing was, if we were going the realistic route, the killers would have all just been white guys, indistinguishable from each other, yeah, right? Like true, for yeah. the most part. And so it was, we could do the shorthand where we can kind of go a little supervillainy with them. They're easy to remember because they there's a lot of them, but they don't show up that much, right? Because there's only. So many issues, right? So, um, you know, it's a lot of shorthand, like, oh, this person has a very distinct look. That's who they are. I remember who they are. Oh, their victims are very distinct. So, okay, so now maybe I'm not even seeing the killer. I'm only seeing the cops looking at a victim. I know who did that. The cops don't, but I know who did that, Mm -hmm. right? So it does a lot of that kind of work, whereas if it were just like Gary Ridgway, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, right? It would just be, you couldn't tell any, it, it would be right. impossible to follow what was happening, you know?
0: Yeah. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about it being right from the start. So over the top that you can kind of, you know, look at it as as entertainment still. Again, there's conversations to be uh, started and, and ideas to think about, but yeah, it's over the top. It's, it's entertaining. Uh, it's fun. Uh, let me ask you, Max, as we're winding down here, uh, is there a moment that's coming up Visually, something uh, again. We don't want you to spoil, but uh, coming up, so, you know, sometimes in, in the next few issues that you just had a blast drawing, uh, that you can't wait for it to be out there so that uh, you can see reader reaction. Does, does when I ask that question, is there a moment <clears throat> that
2: immediately pops in your head? Yeah, there's there's a few for sure. The one, the one coming up that I, I think is really gonna. Turn some heads. It's a splash page and I, I don't know what I can tell you about it, except I feel like I really nailed it.
0: You know now, when I mean? he says, when he says that, Scott, do you know exactly the moment? He, the, 100%. The, is that 100%. your moment as well that you're really oh, anticipating? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There, look, there, there's great moments in every issue, but the splash page he's talking about is like, you got to sit back for a minute. Yeah, it's great. And there's one that's going to be an issue six. There's one that's gonna be an issue six that uh yeah it hasn't drawn it yet, but I know that one too. Yeah, that one's gonna that one's gonna startle people. Yeah. So yeah now I, I even, get excited
2: I haven't even looked at that yet. And so no pressure for me or
1: anything. <laughs> you know, you'll know uh, we yeah. to do
0: it. That's so great. See just to even see and hear how excited you guys get because I am gonna be reading it. And it's gonna be one of those moments where as I'm reading out loud I'm gonna just go, oh shit. Or holy fuck, or or whatever, you know. Like those yeah, are the yeah, moments. Yeah. That's why we read wow. comics. That's why it's such a great medium, right? This, yeah. this, I don't think this story told in in this kind of tone, in this kind of way, with that balance of dark humor and grittiness and what have you, I don't think it works in any other medium. It would be so hard to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah,
0: it really shows the uh, the strength of of
1: the medium. So, yeah, we, we fucking we we fucking love comics. Like Max and I, it's like all we fucking talk about. It. We love comics, and like we're always just thinking, what what more can we do? How what what you know? What more can we do? How can we sort of just take advantage of everything the the, the art form has to offer? Yeah, fantastic.
0: See, they're they're one they're one of us guys. They're one of us. That's that's great. So, best of luck with the series. Uh, you mentioned something happened in issue six, uh, and and that it's all plotted out. How many uh, how many issues are we going?
1: It's it's eight issues, but issues five and eight are oversized by a lot. So gotcha. it's a lot of, it's a lot of story. It's about uh, 240 pages total, something like that. Okay. So it's a beefy big story. Yeah, so it's
0: and- so almost equivalent of 12, like regular size. Regular yeah. size yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Uh, well, as we're winding down here, I want to uh, give you guys a chance to let people know where they can follow your work. If you have other stuff uh, that you want to uh, mention, uh, I know you had another book that just came out recently, Scott. So where's the best place uh, to follow your work online and know what you're up to?
1: Yeah. I mean, you just go to Scott, dot Wilson.com. It has, that has all my everything, you know, it's, it's, it's up to date with whatever comes out. Um, yeah. I, uh, the, the, the paperback for true cult, which is my other book, uh, at IDW uh, is just out. Um, it has, uh, an amazing cover. Um, so excited with how it turned out or Leon and I are both excited. She's the uh, co-creator I'm so excited of how it turned out. Um, and, um, uh, the left-hand path from Dead Sky just came out yesterday. That's a, a sci-fi, uh, a, a, a bleak, uh, doom-laden uh, sci-fi one-shot uh, with Ken Knudsen. And then um, I have uh, uh, another Western uh, one-shot coming out from from Dead Sky in December. So that's sort of, between that and, and Killmore, it's just a lot of creator-owned stuff for me right now, which is, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it.
0: Great. And I'll put a link in the show notes, everybody, to Scott's website. So if you're having trouble finding it, just go and click there. Uh, what about you, Max? Where's the best place uh, to follow your work?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I am at themaxfuchs.com. You can follow me on Instagram at themaxfuchs or on the social media site, formerly known as Twitter, uh, at Max Fuches there. I have a Patreon where I keep people updated about my creator-owned wrestling romance comic, The Motherfucking Fucker. Nice. Uh, <laughs> which uh, you'll be seeing more of uh, in the days following Killmore, which is going to be quite a few days from now. But uh, yeah, you could you could keep up with me in all those places. Or if you happen to be my parents or aunts and uncles or cousins of mine, you can come find me on Facebook. <laughs> fantastic. Uh we'll put a link
0: to uh Max's website, uh Patreon, Instagram. Uh and yeah, it's just Twitter. I don't that guy, that clown can call it whatever he wants. It's always Twitter.
1: It's Twitter, yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah.
0: Uh anyway, so fantastic to talk to you both again. Best of luck with the series. Uh I look forward to reading more of it. It's uh it's been a wild ride, only one issue in. So uh don't forget everybody. Go ask your local comic shop, pre-order. That's the best way you can uh, help these guys out. Let your comic shop know you want these uh, subsequent issues. Hopefully you can get a a copy of issue one. If not, they could probably order it for you. As I said, it's not sold out yet. Issue two out on October 25th. So uh, again, guys, fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time. And to you listeners, we want to thank you as well. We appreciate the support as always, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content.